Welcome to the 2S Podcast with Gage and Mike. This is Gage, the philosopher. And this is Mike, the farmer. Welcome back, everybody, to the 2S Podcast. Uh, this is our, what, sixth, seventh official episode? Yeah. And well, I guess we'll go ahead and get started with our quotes. Um, mine is from Socrates, and it goes along with our episode, our theme today. <laughs> by all means he's he's talking to uh, one of his apostles or disciples followers students, students um, asking and they're asking about marriage and he said by all means marry if you get a good wife you'll be happy if you get a bad one you'll become a philosopher <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny that yeah. goes like what all the old timers always say about getting married. What do they say? Don't. <laughs> and and in his defense, if you could take a little deeper into that, and I never tried to go deeper into that quote, the context and what he meant by it, but just off the top of my head, the way I understand it, he goes, if you got a good wife and you're happy and you're living a good life, you're not really thinking much like you're content you're happy you don't have to think about things and the meaning of life and how to be happy you're just you're in the moment you're happy you're having a good life no reason to mess it up by thinking but if you're unhappy in your life you start to think a lot more about how should i change how do i deal how do, how do I deal with being content in a situation i'm not happy in and yeah. you start to dig into those things a little more yeah, see, so yeah, that's that's a really, really good way of looking at that quote, really, because you, yeah, you're sitting there and you, yeah, you're not happy. So what do you do when you're not happy? You think about how to make yourself happy or how to just be happy with the situation that's presented in front of you. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing because you you build from that, and become a little, you know, mentally stronger. So when you do get in a rough situation then you're a little you're mentally tougher stronger more capable of dealing with it like kelly clarkson said what doesn't kill you makes you stronger yeah sometimes (laughs) (laughs) oh shit! all right what do you got well before i say my quote i am going to give the people a little word i know my voice sounds like shit i started losing it this week and it right now is probably the best it's been throughout since like wednesday because normally you have a voice of an angel. I know. I got the voice of our generation. Yeah. But, so, just bear <laughs> with me. If you find find me hard to talk to, just skip my parts. Listen to Gage. <laughs> <laughs> so, my quote is from Benjamin Franklin. And it says, Without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. Which, it, it, cold hard fact, you know. Re- read it one more time for our listeners. Without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success 
have no meaning. Yeah. And like, well, the word improvement, I mean, that just implies Yeah. you're continually growing. Well, and that's the part of it. I mean, it's that's what life's all about is improving yourself, improving your situation. Because, I mean, that, it's like we've talked before, you know, it's a part of it. Mm-hmm. If you just sit back and do nothing, can you really claim that you're successful? It depends on your definition well, of success. Well, that, yeah, I guess that's... A, like, you could go into some philosophies or... Um, especially even like Eastern religions or even Eastern Christianity, you know, big thing that they emphasize is take things as they are and accept it, go with the flow kind of thing. And you're content, happy at peace. You take things as they come and you're not always striving for a goal. Then you accomplish it. Now, now you need a new goal and now you need a new goal. You're never there. You're filling a bucket with an empty, with a hole in the bottom. Yeah. But to do that, then that is, self-improvement and a goal is you're trying to get into that state Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the whole buddhist koan of um uh have no desires so one of the monks is continually trying you know he's trying to have no desires he goes well now i desire to not have any desires (laughs) it's the paradox it's kind of that's the whole point of saying that is you're always going to have desires it's just they're not bad you take them as they come and yeah if yeah. you because well, back to the stoics of like uh preferred indifferences like i would like for it to not rain today but it's outside my control so if it does rain today then just as well <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it just it's really that simple i mean i guess I wouldn't say it's simple simple I mean, but not easy yes Yes, that would be how I would word it. Simple but not easy. But that's when it goes back to your quote. You practice it and you do improve. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, everything's through improvement. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and is the best at something. I mean, you know, George Washington didn't just wake up, you know, at fucking like five years old and be like, you know what, I'm going to fucking overthrow the British government and you know, start my own country. It just, that don't happen. You know, you work towards it. Yeah. So what we got now, our current events? Yeah, you want to go ahead and kick us off of that? Sure. Um, so here recently, there's, um, I don't know if I'll pronounce his name right. Um, Kenichi Hori. And he's the oldest man at 83 years old to sail solo trip nonstop across the Pacific ocean. Holy shit. <laughs> and he's like, I always wanted to, and he goes, I still feel in great shape. Was at 83. His little quote from the article is don't let your dreams just stay as dreams. And this goes with your cult quote. He, he said, have a goal and work towards achieving this and a beautiful life awaits. That is motherfucking impressive. Yeah. Is that the Pacific Ocean, depending on where he started from and where he finished, that's a fucking long haul. So, I mean, that even being younger and a professional sailor, that's scary. All by yourself. Yeah. And you got storms and, I mean, the ocean scares me. It's so massive and mysterious. Well, yeah. Well, my, the part I hate about it is when you get out there, there's, you can't fucking see land. 
you're stuck. Yeah, you're out there. And there's no, there's no ground except for hundreds of, maybe thousands of feet below you. Yep. And who knows what's in between. Yeah, and, every, and, yeah, and about 8,000 different fucking things that want to eat you. When I, when I think about the ocean, I think of that movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie, but you do have to be in the mood. Um, it's called The Life of Pi. Never seen it. I've seen it advertised, but I never watched a movie. It's a really, really good movie, but you do have to be in the mood. But yeah, he's stranded out in the ocean. Yeah, with that fucking him and tiger. A tiger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my little current event. I thought that was pretty neat, and I always love sailboats. Well, that is, that is a really cool, cool story. I mean, you know, you got an older guy that wanted to do it and still in the shape to be able to do it. It just goes to show that. At the end of the day, age can really be just a number. Yeah, I mean, if you have your, it's a mentality too. If you're motivated to get up every day, be thankful to be alive, and go do what you want to do, you naturally stay fit, healthy. I mean, they've they've already proven your mental state plays an important role on your physical health. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, all my grandparents are that way. They, you know, they're not old. I mean, old, old. They're in their seventies. You know, all of them. And my one, my grandma and grandpa, they sit there and they go out and do do gardens. Grandpa raises a couple cows. They do all kinds of stuff. Got a little cabin that grandpa built, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then my granny, she she's got cancer and she's that's a mentality thing there. Oh yeah. She goes in, she jokes with the nurses about it, and like one day she was telling me when she went up there to the cancer center, she's like, uh. <laughs> say something to her she's like did you uh, talk about the place and they're like yeah she's like did you hear people are dying to get in here <laughs> and she said the nurse laughed and then went that's not funny <laughs> sure it is <laughs> and, yeah and she's like yeah it is i mean you gotta she's that's what she told the nurse she's like you gotta keep your spirits up somehow yep yep and that's 100 percent. that's why i always said laughter is the best medicine keep your hopes and spirits up have a reason to live you will that's why i give my grandma a little bit of grief <laughs> i'm the one that lives across the field from me she it's <laughs> just funny she get her laughing it's fun time <laughs> <laughs> that's like weeks a uh, guy that comes fishing here he's been fishing here on my property since the early 80s he's from cincinnati but he just not uh, three weeks ago turned 78 but yeah, he, he never, told me what twenty five. Yeah, I just turned twenty five. <laughs> yeah, I just turned twenty five. Yeah, he's seventy eight. He's up and moving, driving. He comes out here fishing, gets in the john boat, mm-hmm. and that that's his will to live. Like he loves to fish. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, I'm a firm believer. When you hit a certain age, you got to get some sort of hobby, no matter what it is. Whatever brings you joy. Exactly. Whether it's raising cattle or raising pigs or fishing or woodworking or whatever music or music just being social meeting new people traveling i mean anything like that is a way to to keep you young keep you motivated keep your spirit keep you in a good mental state i guess would be the yeah there's a lot of joy in life you just gotta let it be there and find out where yours is at and find it where the place is at you normally wouldn't see joy. Yeah. That's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. It's like that old uh, parable of um, 
uh, I'm going to mess it up, but in the gist is um, uh, somebody asked um, a fly, hey, are there, do you see any, um, any beauty or anything out here? And the fly goes, no, just a bunch of shit. <laughs> and in the exact same place, he asked a bee, hey, you know, anything out here? And he goes, oh, all sorts of flowers and honey and all this stuff. It's about what you focus on. Yeah. And anything, there's good and bad. And you got to acknowledge both, but what you focus, decide to focus on and let in, that's mainly up to us. Oh, 100%. If you're all you're seeing, if all you're intending to see is shit, that's all you're going to see. Yeah. But if you're going to look towards the brighter side of everything, you'll notice the brighter side of things. Yeah. Make the best of it. Yeah. Like, well, seeing as we don't know who all of our listeners are, I'll keep it vague. But I was in a situation this weekend where I didn't. I was. I was kind of just. It was just a mood. No good reason. Just my mood wasn't in the mood to do this, but I had to do it. And so for me, I used logic. That ex- that same thing. I'm like, okay, Gage. You're going to be here. You have to be here whether you like it or not. You're going to be here for, say, six hours. Well, may as well make the best of it. Yeah. yeah. And I did, and it was, it was a hell of a great time. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, if you go in the attitude like, you know, you got to be here, I might as well make the best of it. You you will have at least a fairly decent time. We're not, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be like over the top, out of this world. But it doesn't Amazing. have to be as bad as you could make it. Yeah, but you're not sitting there like, oh, I fucking hate this place. I don't want to fucking be here. Blah, blah, blah. Bitching, raising seven kinds of hell about it. When you could just suck it up, deal with it, look for the fucking positive light in it. And And that doesn't mean caving in and giving up and accepting your situation. You can still try and get out of it, but while you're here, you may as well make the best of it. Yeah, make the best of it. It's easier that way. Yeah. (laughs) yeah it is so all right our our, uh topic for this week as you'll probably see in the title when we make it uh weddings marriage um it's a lot more interesting than you might initially think and a lot of interesting side roads this goes down (laughs) absolutely absolutely it so when me and Gage, we'd have to do a little bit of research for this because we knew kind of the basis of it, but we did have to kind of dig into it and see, you know, basically find where it started. And then when we, as soon as we found out where it started and why it started, we had to find out where it transitioned at. So it just read, let us down really a rabbit hole. Because today, yeah, because today, you know, you think of weddings, it's, you know, even well, marriage, if, marriage in general. Yeah. Weddings wedding. and marriage. Um, even if you're not a religious person, it's it's a religious. I mean, you can't get away from its religious roots and where it came from. So you know, you think most majority of people today, you're in a church, there's a little ceremony, you have your vows, you have. Say, even if you're wings. not in a church, there's still vows, you know. Right, and you have wedding rings, and it's like, oh, these two people are in love, and you know, this is great. And that's kind of the general idea is you're marrying, you're in love, you're committing to each other, and you're committing yourself uh, 
to God if it's religious and you have your vows to each other, but you're in love, you're getting married, it's just you two. That's the general idea of how we see it today. That was not at all the case really until recently. Yeah. It, well, hell, even the, the concept of a man, one man and one woman being married, it, I mean, this is a long time, but it's not like as long as you would think. It's only been around for 4,300 years. Just, just 4,300? Yeah. 4,300? Years. 4,300? years. That's the earliest we have a record of somebody getting uh, one man and one woman being married. It was, they found it in Mesopotamia. And before that, it was people would be living in a community. Well, they don't know 100% for sure, but what they, they say is that the anthropologists say that the there'd be like community of men and women. And it was just kind of like, anything else you just kind of you found one that you thought was attractive you had sex you had a kid there was no marriage type ceremony there was no nothing you just found somebody had a kid with them and you were you know and that that was mainly the purpose and that way you know primitive time was your yeah because we're we're talking yeah we're talking primitive man we're talking you know hunter gatherer era you know just after you know even during the ice age and all or all that shit you know yeah. and and much different situation back then you're in survival mode yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's not a it's not a i'm being picky it's you know i want to have offspring and it's and it's a natural desire and all i mean we're animals just so you could say we're different than the rest but we are on earth material animals and we all have that instinct of keeping your species alive and having them carry you on yeah. through the generations 100 percent. i mean it's just it's it's a natural it's we have, you can't you can so i guess you could say you could like suppress it mentally but you can't all the way you're, right. you're gonna have that there you're gonna have a desire to procreate whether it's and it don't you know straight gay whatever you still have some desire to have intercourse right i mean that's just how it is and we we got a lot of privilege and it is privilege we got a lot of privileges in our society and day and age to where like keeping our species alive is not the number one concern (laughs) and this kind of leads into what we'll talk about later but you know how things change and developed is because your main goals have changed and now you're allowed to focus and do other things and you weren't before. I mean, it's kind of like through history that you would probably know better. You know, when did art and music and all of this start to develop was when we brought in agriculture. So now you have well, a lot more well, free time. That's debatable because they found uh, musical instruments and shit from the hunter gatherer era. Did they? Yeah. People, humans have always had kind of right. Like, but it didn't flourish. It didn't yeah, just yeah, yeah, explode. Yeah. You've always had it, but it, yeah, it didn't really start taking off a whole lot until like, because like all the cave paintings and shit you see, mm-hmm. and like there's even basic instruments and stuff like that that were hunter gatherer era, like right. back, you know. So I mean, there's always been that, but 
Yeah, I agree. To, you didn't have the privilege of free time to, this is what I'm going to do is music. Yeah. And experiment with it and create new things because you didn't have the time before and it was yeah. not a necessity. Yeah, yeah, you would. I mean, the ones that, I mean, they don't know exactly who are the ones that did like cave paintings and stuff like that. Like, you're never going to know exactly what the person's life was 100%. Like, you can generalize, you know, so a lot of times what they say is like with them cave paintings, the anthropologists and everything say that, uh, it was to like record, like they had like a really good hunt this year or something bad happened. They were, they recorded it. And it, it was more of like back then the art was more of like record keeping rather than, than like, Oh wow. That's an amazing painting. Like, no, it was more for, okay. Like, yeah, in this area, there's a lot of lot of food. Or in this area, there's fucking nothing. It's empty. And I remember listening to Jonathan Pedro talked about just that. Mm-hmm. But also that naturally, instinctively in humans, we have a narrative, a story. It's narratives and stories that are bringing meaning to our lives. You know, like, so like religion, for example, is a huge narrative that puts you in the context of this larger story and it's what gives you meaning and purpose and in a way in the same way even in the primitive times you had a narrative of you and your people and your purpose here and stories whether it was i mean originally oral and then like paintings on cave walls it was your meaning and purpose. It was your narrative, your story, your history. It's who you are. Yeah, because the the cave, the paintings and stuff made a like a visual representation of the oral tradition. Yeah. But circling back to marriage, we yes. kind of got a little tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's what we're for. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of our thing. <laughs> but so after the first recorded ma- marriage that we have in Mesopotamia in twenty three fifty BC. Twenty three fifty, yeah. Uh, see, at first I thought you said forty three. Well, forty three fifty was is how long marriage has been around. Oh, not twenty three fifty. Gage. Hmm. Two thousand three hundred fifty BC. Okay. Oh, I thought you were saying the year. No. Okay, I got. That's what I said. It's been around. I thought you said forty three fifty. Yeah, four hundred three. Yeah, four thousand three hundred fifty years ago. Yeah. I thought you were when saying you, when you start going in anthropology, everything doesn't go by a date; it goes by how many years ago. Okay. When you start getting like way far back, you don't get exact like oh, it was three thousand five hundred and twenty-seven BC. You you mainly get like it how was, many years? Yeah, ago? it was five thousand. That's why I, I was confused at first because I remember reading twenty-three fifty BC, and I thought you were saying forty-three fifty BC. Yeah, yeah, I did not how yeah. many years ago. Which, that was my bad, but and I got confused. That's but yeah. Uh, so in, in 2350 BC, we had the first uh, record of a, a marriage between one man and one woman, and then it kind of just evolved and spread into uh, the ancient Hebrews, the Greeks, the Romans. You know. All in the Mesopotamian area. Yeah, Mesopotamian, Mediterranean area, you know, that that general area of the world. <laughs> and then, uh, but back then, like we were talking about initially, it never had much to do with religion or love, even in general. It was more for practical reasons. 
it was uh, mainly to keep, you know, it would bind a woman to a man to make sure his offspring were genuinely his, I guess is the initial thing of it. And then it goes into being more like alliance builders with kings and leaders and stuff, but that's more like the uh, medieval area era. So, and it, and you also have the, the thing of polygamy was in there still, you know, between medieval and when marriage first started coming about. Even like, like you read the Bible, you know, polygamy was a very common thing in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's amazing to think that, you know, because you always think, like we were talking about earlier, you think of marriage nowadays as two people in love when that's not how it started. Mm-hmm. So, Let's keep the species alive, your bloodline, you knew it was from you. Yeah. And, it, and it was a very social thing, like to keep mm-hmm. society structured and tamed, so to speak. Because what are you going to do if a husband dies and now you just got a widow? that you know who's going to take care of them they're just be on the street and that's like the hebrews were one of the first to have rules and laws for that to keep society structured yeah. was was it the brother the brother-in-law or if a husband died i think it was that husband's brother um had to take in the widow yeah something like keeping that yeah. things structured and organized yeah, so there was no, no, oh, what we do about that, you know? Because, yeah, you know, back in the day, well, especially back then, you know, women didn't work. There, there was not, I guess women weren't really a huge portion of society in most cultures. Like, but when you give it ancient Greek and like the ancient, the Spartans, women were a big thing in the Spartan community because that's just, but different that, roles yeah but that was a whole different kind of structure of culture though the spartans were mm-hmm. so they, they were ancient greek but they believed only spartan women could give birth to real men you know it was a whole whole thing yeah, that's when the bloodline really comes into play then yeah <laughs> yeah you had spartan. i mean it was a big that, that was a big deal but so you go through all that. I mean, and like and like I said, after that era, they fucking started learning that, oh, well, marriage can be used to solidify alliances and stuff like that. So if you had, say, one like, I don't even know, good medieval times, okay, the king of England and the king of France were fighting all the damn time. You know, you had the Hundred Years' War and all that. And the way you would, like, secure your peace is this guy would, Say the king of England marries his daughter off to the king of France's son. And then you're less likely to invade that country or vice versa because there's a family connection involved, not just a signed piece of paper. There's a a bloodline connection, I guess. Physically tied together. Yeah. Yeah, that's like man, this is this is gonna go along with it. You go to World War One. All three of the major uh, players in that were cousins. Mm-hmm. The King of England, the Kaiser of Germany, and the Tsar of Russia were all cousins. And their grandma was Queen Victoria of England. 
And it wasn't like these guys were like cousins that never knew each other or seen each other. They would hang out and do whatever. Like normal family shit. And then all that happened. Like, so, I mean, it, it was just back then, you know, you, Queen Victoria, her family, married them off. A bit of family feud. Yeah, essentially <laughs> what it was. And, I mean, it, it was a, that's, that's a whole other fucking topic there going into that. But that, that just goes on to what I was kind of saying about marriages being because, you know, you know your, your grandsons get married off or whatever and. And you really strengthen, got strengthen alliances because you know you have heirs to thrones and this, that, and the other. And you think, oh, okay, cool. You have Russia, Germany, and Britain all tied together. In theory, it shouldn't have been a problem. But of course, as and we, that's as we know nowadays, the trial and error, how things change in mindsets. Because it's kind of like what we talked about in the last episode. You really got to put your mindset in the mind of them back then. Yeah. Because you can't say, well, if I lived back then you're not going to think the same way you think today. You would think completely yeah. differently. Because that leads in what you were uh, telling me earlier about what you've seen about the age difference Yeah, from back then versus today. Um, I want to say I... There we go. Um, like, not that long ago, and... This is real specific, but it actually goes way past this. But up until like 1603, um, marriages were still mostly arranged from the family. And for those reasons that we just talked about. Yep. And the consent age for women was 12 and for men it was 14. And that was just normal. Nobody thought it was weird or bad or unethical. Like that's how things were. And really, I mean... I mean, even in the 1800s, women were getting married 14, 15, having 16. kids. Yeah, well, and, and men were too. Men were getting, it was a, it still followed more along the lines of puberty rather than. Yeah, and, just natural, yeah. like all the other animals in the animal kingdom. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't go along with like a mental maturity type deal. It went along, well, you were, you were, like we were, me and you were talking before this episode, you, you matured, back then you matured faster. Yeah. Because there wasn't the, you know, you weren't sheltered. You understood what life was like. Like, so you, you grew up quicker, especially if you were out on the frontier, you know? Yeah. And so. like today, you know, like even in our parents' generation, uh, after high school, you know, you were on your own, had your own house, car, you got married and had kids. And now it's, well, now it's four years of college and then. Well, you probably need four years to find a decent job and to get settled in. And you, during that, those extra eight years, you're still hanging with friends, partying, goofing off. Mm-hmm. You don't have a house yet. Part of that's because of the economy, not really even necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And just a pri- of your prices own. of shit in general. I mean, they make it damn near impossible for somebody, you know, young people to buy a house. Yeah. But we, we mature a lot slower. And that's part of the reason you, people are getting married much older. Yeah, uh, that's and, and it's one of them things like there's no rush to it to get married or starting a family or however you want to do it. But I mean, well, now, now, no, no, it's because no. we have the privilege. Yeah, we have the privilege of doing that. But at the same time, we also, in a way, we kind of have to, like you know. 
if you can't have a place to raise a family, what's the point of, you know, starting one? You know what I mean? Yeah. And just tying this back to when we just talked about um, arranged marriages, you know, the family deciding. Um, I read here that Pope Nicholas I declared in 1866 about there needing to be consent between two people. All for marriage? Yeah. And that ain't that long ago. <laughs> no, no, it's not that long ago. Because we watch movies that take place like thousands some years ago, and even in our movies today, it's about love, and they fell yeah. in love. It's like, that was not, not how it was. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Things are just different. Yeah, and that's just... The, the cold hard facts of it i mean it wasn't they didn't you know well because when you have arranged marriages it wasn't it didn't matter if you loved them or not if you this is who you're marrying and it was like it was just and in a way that gave that was people's meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life is i have an important role in society i'm to get married have children play my part to keep our society and civilization going and yeah. it was a very important part of being a part of a society being a part of a people like you had your people and you had your role to play and that was part of it you know it's just like a job oh it's my job to do this you know in this society i'm the one that starts gets the firewood right yeah and that's an important role and same thing with marriages and having children and doing all that that was that was the role i was just the job Oh, and, and bringing it back how, like, you were talking about religion and stuff with the Catholic Church. And, well, as the marriage progressed and everything, and came in about the 8th century A.D., not B.C., A.D., <laughs> so we don't have any more confusion. <laughs> but marriage was widely accepted in the Catholic Church as a sacrament. And it, the way it worked is to bestow God's grace upon the the couple and you know and but it wasn't until the council of trent in 1563 that the sacramental nature of the marriage was written into the canon law Mm -hmm. so you had that long time where it was already accepted but wasn't the way it was supposed to be so i mean it just there there's a lot of gray area with it because like in that whole span from being a you know, if you're looking at it from a Catholic or a Christian perspective, you had that big area there from the 8th century to the 1500s. So you're looking at 400 years where you could still just do whatever. It didn't matter mm-hmm. because there was no, no nothing that told you otherwise. And, if, and, of- and the only reason that's a really big deal is because back at the time, the Catholic Church was the biggest institution in Europe. I mean, every leader in Europe had to be accepted through the the Pope. You know, I mean, that was their thing. They become king. They send tithes or something to the Pope to be in his good grace and then went on. That was before Martin Luther and had the schism and before (laughs) Henry VIII and all that when they did the the Anglican Church and all that. So, I I mean, back then it was a little bit different story with that. So if the Pope goes like... Hey, y'all want to get married? Y'all get married through the church. Everybody's like, 
Ah, <laughs> we're on it. Yep. Oh, I mean, I, I thought that was a. I didn't. I didn't even had no idea about that fact. I didn't know it was that late. Yeah, and it's, you know that goes back to, um, and I guess there's different ways of understanding or interpreting it, but like early Christianity, like first several hundred years. Well, really, the first two, before it became the state religion, Christianity was an underground religion, didn't have the big institution and structure that it had now, and it was very much so like a, um, in a way, it, in a lot of ways it did, and in a lot of ways it didn't represent some like the ancient mystery schools that were in the Greco-Roman and Egyptian world, but it's very much a solo thing. You didn't get married and have kids. And that's why when you read Paul writing in his letters, asking about marriage, he says, I'd rather you not get married. He said, it's better to not be married. So you can focus on these religious and spiritual practices and reach that union with God. So it's better to not be married. But he said, but, if you can't resist your sexual urges and desires, get married. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like marriage was for sex, <laughs> and then you can have your offspring. Well, I mean, even even like with the deal with when the marriage got put into canon law for the church, I mean, it did in, improve certain things in the marriage. I mean, men respected their their wives more. They were told, you know, you, you were told to respect your wife because you became. Uh, the twain shall be one flesh. So they had access to each other's bodies. Is basically what that boils down to. And it made the men more faithful. They didn't go out because that was, you know, you're, you're married in the eyes of God. And adultery is a sin. Mm-hmm. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So that, that kind of. So it, in a way, it did improve the whole thing because before, you know, women were treated as property. And I'd say that, in my opinion, I don't know if it'd be, it'd be a factual reference, but it was a way of making women get treated better. So, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the ways we see how or think how a relationship should be, especially in a marriage, I mean, and it really upsets a lot of, say, not religious people who like to blame religion or Christianity for everything because some of these ideas that you have and you're trying to put forward came from Christianity. <laughs> like, yeah. like the whole the whole thing of, you know, not cheating and women being put up on a pedestal. I mean like it everybody goes back to where it says, um, women submit to your husbands. It's like, okay, but read on. It talks about how the man is supposed to sacrifice his whole life for his wife. Yeah. Like, it's both ways. It's not, oh, well, this woman's my property. You do whatever the hell I want. Because goes, no, the woman's submitting to a man that is supposed to lay down his life for her and give her everything. Yeah, everything she needs. Yes. And that's part of the point of marriage, of becoming one flesh, is you die to yourself. Like, it is no longer me. It is no longer you. It's, it's no longer you and me. It's, it's us. It's, yeah. yeah. It's it's You become one. 
It's not just, oh, it's not just Gage. It's Gage and Taylor or Gage and whatever, or Mike and Brian or Mike and whoever. Mm -hmm. It just, it's, it's, you're no, you're no longer a singular person. I mean, you are, but you aren't. Like, you're still going to think the way you think, but. You're a unit. Yeah, but, yeah, you're a unit. That's the word I was looking for, unit. As soon as you become that, everything is a joined decision. Everything's a joined this, joined that. And if there's anybody that you can rely on. It's, it's supposed to be them, yeah. And and that's where we could even get into um, the wedding vows and commitments. Um, honestly, I don't. This I don't know. I was I was gonna go off on a little tangent of, you know, the whole being a unit and what these vows mean and represent, but I don't know the history of when vows started because it used to be a more of a uh, a legalistic and religious thing of vowing to you know oneself with God mm. and this but now you know wedding vows today are um, you know promising your love to them and you know even when you're mad and upset because you know you're not going to be happy <laughs> forever in your relation there's going to be days where you're you almost hate the person that day well, yeah. You want nothing to do but get rid of them. And that's where those vows come into play is even though I want nothing to do with you right now, if you needed something, I am here for you. That's where that commitment and responsibility comes in. And that's why there's witnesses. Yeah. To, to witness you making these vows, these promises, and hold you accountable for what you say and do. And I, I actually do have up here, um, uh, let's see, about witnesses when that came into play. But go on, it might take me a quick second to find it. You know, well, I don't, I don't have nothing on the witnesses right now, but I do know, talking about love being in marriage it didn't really happen until the 20th centuries from everything i was researching about it is that it was you know it was a more of a practical matter like we went on about and then it wasn't until shit started improving in the general you know after the industrial revolution and everybody started you know it you weren't just it wasn't there wasn't just a, a few jobs it was just you could do about anything you know and you could settle down and you had your house and you went off to work, come home, you know, all that fun stuff. <clears throat> but it really was about then when people started going out and trying to find somebody that caught their attention, that they wanted to, you know, that was attractive to them, personality was attractive to them. Because, like you said before, them, it, it was all arranged. Mm-hmm. So basically, by the time arranged marriages kind of started fading out, you know, because governments were switching, it wasn't all about the king or the queen or the Kaiser or the czar or whoever ruling. It, you just it just fell out of place because it didn't. Marriage as a political tool didn't matter anymore, right? Because it you had democratically or elected officials. 
like in Britain now they have parliament and now in the United States we have the Senate and the presidency and, <clears throat> and all that. And it is credit to the Christian tradition of why it started to become a more personal, intimate thing. Like here I, I found in the 1500s there are a lot of marriages without witnesses. And in 1563, they decided there has to be at least two witnesses. And that goes to have them be held accountable. Yeah. And so held accountable to each other and that they're living the marriage life they should. But even in that point, love, being in love, wasn't a necessary ingredient for marriage. And it was after the Protestant um, Martin, Luther, yeah, yeah. Martin Luther yeah, and all that him. there's the little group the Puritans and and the church like we first talked about when they made it a sacrament mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it stems from that so it wasn't that moment when it became a sacrament that oh love is included mm-hmm. but it's because of that move that later on the Puritans viewed it as something very blessed and it slowly started well, to change into being well, centered around love. If you think about it, I mean, if if you're going to be tied to this person, and when, when back then when you got married through the church, divorce was almost next to impossible, because you had a you could get divorced, but you couldn't remarry until you got an annulment from the church. So that would mean that the church, and that's it's still like that today in the Catholic Church. And that actually stems from the Jews carried it over from the hebrew bible yeah so you had to go through a process of getting the church to investigate and see what the reason was for the divorce and go on with that and i I believe it was king henry the eighth i'm not 100 percent sure but i think that's the one that started the anglican church of england and the only reason he did that is because he wanted to get divorced yep (laughs) and the Pope wouldn't let him. He said, no, like if you get divorced, whatever, but you can't get remarried. There's, you know, get the church of England, (laughs) just because you don't like her is not a good enough reason for you to get divorced, you know, and remarry. So he's went ahead and he was like, well, screw you guy. I'm going to start my own church and I'll get divorced as many times as I want to. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, and that's how you got that schism there. But, I mean, it's crazy thinking about all the the different things that happened just in, just since 1500 years, you know, 1500 was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. 600 years, if that, not yeah. even that. So. And you want to get into something real interesting that will make people cringe. And again, you got to put yourself in the mindset, but like marrying your first cousins yeah, I've heard. There's actually that. still 26 states that allow it. Yeah, and it, I, I well, we can't now, but it is within the past. I think it was even less than 200 years ago when that idea of marrying first cousins became like a no go. Yeah, because there was two articles published saying that you know because of this and that, there's these. You're going to get birth defects and stuff. And those two articles were just scattered everywhere. So all of a sudden, people's minds started to change. But I think, in all reality, 
your increase of having birth defects from a first cousin is increased by like 0.004%. Like it's hardly anything. And they knew that back then, but those were just the two articles that got advertised and marketed, if you will. Because you got to think, we married first cousins for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just what some people think, just the royal bloodlines that did it. Mm. It was everybody. One president, I can't remember which one it was, was married to their first cousin. I'm trying to fucking think. I, I want to say it was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, but I can't. Don't quote me on it. I can't remember for sure. But it, was, it was just a normal thing. Never yeah. thought twice about it. But I know, I know there's a lot of people... And I'm thinking of one well, but, guy in but particular. Now, 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 there is a, there is the concept of where after time in a small community of doing that, you have issues. That's how you have the blue people of Kentucky. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Mm-mm. They're so inbred that they have a their their skin is a bluish pigment. It's interesting. It's, it's crazy. I mean, but it it that's not like a one or two. That's a generational thing like yeah so i don't know that's interesting i know like a lot of people think you know it was just these royal bloodlines that married first cousins and stuff and they go that's why they're all screwed up it's like well Well, everybody did that the most the most thing like with the royal bloodlines is they like even back in the roman era or even if you go newer like the habsburgs the Habsburgs were so inbred, it wasn't even funny. Well, they're like not just first cousins; they were like sisters. sisters siblings. King King George the Third, the one that was the ruler of Brit or England when during the American Revolution, was inbred, bad. Like I mean, he was just he that he they said his brain was not what it should have been. He was very temperamental, like to an extreme extent, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just. Yeah. So there, there is proof to it that yes, there is a a chance of birth defects and stuff. But I mean, it's more along a gener- generational basis, not a right. And is it siblings or yeah? Cousin, that, that's a second that's, that's a that's a big deal. There, yes. Because yeah, I know what I read. I think it was just cousins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cousins get married to a sibling is illegal. <laughs> yeah, across the board. But, and there's for those reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's yeah. But I pulled up a list. Actually, I just I came across it randomly. Of it kind of talked about different quote unquote types of marriage, and one of them was I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce these right. Um, it's end and end and ending nami. I have no idea. Uh, the tradition of marrying within the limits of a local community only. So that goes to the idea of building your community. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one where um, if you marry outside, they they had special terms for that. Yeah. And then, you know, you got your monogamy, polygamy, polyandry, polyandry women who have more than one husband and all sorts of different traditions of how things were handled and done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just, and it wasn't until, you know, religion really is what brought it down to, well, not all religions, but that, that's one of the big changing factors that brought it down between to a singular man, singular woman type deal. 
Yeah, the traditional Christian church yeah. is really... And because of the things they'd done, when the Protestants started to focus, the Puritans started to focus more on it being blessed and centered around love, it's only because of the what the Catholic Church has done in the past. Yeah. And then you got, you know, the Muslims, they still do practice polygamy. You know, they have multiple wives and all Mormons. that. Mormons. Mormons. <laughs> but... The set, the thing is with like the Mormons, it's a very sketchy thing over here in the states because you it's legal. You're not legally allowed to have multiple wives, you know, in the United States. But they out is that the, every state? Not every state. Utah's got some like uh, they're allowed to have a couple. I mean, I think there's a limit on it, but it, it's one of the things like you can't legally in most states you can only be married to one person at a time. But I think there's exceptions out there in Utah because that's where the majority of Mormons are. Yeah. And it's a, it, it's going to sound bad, but it's kind of like an Indian, Indian reservation type deal. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? It's you got like, your own special laws. Yeah, it's a community. Yeah, there's communities out there that have their own thing. That were like, even, and it, even if they may not be legally married according to the state, they're, according to their religion, they're still married. Right. Which, you know, freedom of religion, you kind of got to, a loophole in the system yeah so so why are you guys getting married that's to the audience i was very say, like, <laughs> what are you talking about i ain't getting married yet <laughs> for love maybe to solve a family feud <laughs> yeah. yeah form a stronger alliance with a neighboring kingdom <laughs> you and your neighbors don't get along so you marry off your children <laughs> yeah. yeah have arranged marriages with them and uh, it's it's an interesting thing to dig into the evolution mm-hmm. of it and you know putting yourself in the mindset of them of that generation thousand some years ago and yeah yeah and really get the the idea of what marriage was originally started for rather than what how we see it today yeah. Then you kind of see the evolution of society. You know, we got the free time and privilege to take our time to date people, see who we get along with. And a lot of great things come out of that. So, yeah, there's a it's interesting to see the evolution of human history and weddings and marriage is probably a good thing to focus on to see that because weddings and marriage in the household is the foundation of any society. Yeah. 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 That's why there's so many laws, religious laws, laws back then regulating it. Yeah, protecting the family. So, but I think we did a pretty good overview on that. I mean, we of course we didn't don't know everything, but hopefully that'll give you guys at least some information on it. Yeah, enough and, to think about and a good place to start for you to dig in on your own. Yeah, because please do anything we talk about. Please do your own research on it. If we're wrong. Let us know. Like we're we're more than happy to, to admit we're wrong. It's like the old Marcus Aurelius quote: "If something I say or do is wrong, and you can convince me or prove it, I will happily change because I'm for truth and not for being right." Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Well, what now we I guess now? we'll go ahead and start wrapping this thing up. We'll go with our jokes and uh, cruise on that way. Actually, I'm I'm prepared this week. I know. That's why I'm going to let you go first. Um, I I was told this one this weekend by a little kid. 
Um, That's how you know it's a banger. Yeah. Here it goes. My mom always complains about being cold in the house. So I told her to go stand in the corner because it's 90 degrees. (laughs) That's that's the start of a future (laughs) smartass. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to work in the trades one day. I know it. (laughs) I love it. Oh, shit. All right, what do you have? So I got one that I, I think it's good. Any history nerd out there is gonna laugh. It said, "Why are the why are the pyramids in Egypt? Because they were too heavy to steal and put in the British Museum." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If, if they could, they would. <laughs> yeah, say anybody knows history knows ninety percent of the shit the British museums have. And it was it yeah it was stolen. Anyway, <laughs> that's on a whole nother note there. Yeah, that's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> All right, song recommendations. All right, so I know I've done some metal and some country, but this time I'm going way past the country and I'm going straight to bluegrass. So. My song this week is Atlanta is Burning by the Boys from Indiana. It's a good song. It's talking it's basically from a perspective of a Confederate soldier talking about Atlanta being burnt to the ground by Sherman's forces marching through Georgia. My song um it's not a very interesting or deep song. But it's a nice rock and roll 80s rock song. Um, it was originally written for a movie called Rockstar. It's got Mark Wahlberg in it, actually, and Jennifer Aniston. Not a well-known Mark. movie, though. But uh, Steel Dragon is the band, and it's called Stand Up and Shout. And you got Sammy Hagar's version called Stand Up. They're just some pretty good hardcore rock songs to pump you up. Yeah, we listened to them actually before recording this episode, and they were a pretty decent song. I liked it. It'll pump you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It'll make you stand up and shout. Yeah, yeah. make you stand up and shout and let it all out. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, thanks for tuning in and listening again to our episode. Uh, share us, spread us around. around. We're getting new listeners every week, so that's exciting to see. It is very exciting. We appreciate every single one of you guys that have listened to our episodes, and we hope you all keep tuning back in. You all take care, and we'll catch you on the next one. See you around.